Pastor Sam Summers is our pastor of spiritual formation, and he's going to be talking to us today from the Bible, teaching us in what is his inaugural message at Journey. And uh, 22 years ago, when my family, I was in eighth grade at the time, I just dated myself a bit. Uh, 22 years ago, my family walked into a church in Billings called Faith Evangelical. We were new to Billings, and we never even attended another church. Some neighbors invited us and said, hey, you've got to come to our church. And so we said, all right. And uh, from that day forward, 22 years ago, until like this moment, Pastor Sam Summers has been making a significant impact on my life. And if you would have told me, uh, even in recent past, that there would be a day when Sam would get to be on our staff at Journey and ministering across the congregation and community of Journey Church, uh, I would have said, you're crazy. There's not a chance that Sam will ever be on our team. As much as I might want that, there's not a chance. And so last summer, when uh, that door opened, I just could not be more thrilled. And I hope you are too, and I hope you get a sense today for why that's true, and I hope through a conversation with Sam at some point uh, that you get a taste of who Sam is and why he's been so influential in my life and in a whole bunch of other people's lives over a long, long period of time. And so would you please give a very warm Journey Church welcome to our friend Sam Summers. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, bud. Once again, have fun. he did that same thing last night, and I kept thinking, man, I can't wait till I hear what I'm going to say. You know? Hey, you know, uh, I may forget second service, so I'm going to at least give you the, the um, fact that uh, it's, it's a unique thing to be able to minister with people that you really love. And uh, Brian and Derry and uh, John and uh, all the staff at Journey are a real unique bunch, folks, and uh, you may not know it, but most staffs and churches are just people, and they have difficulty. And uh, I heard Howard Hendricks say one time that he only knew of 11 staffs that were unified in the nation, and Howard got around a lot. And uh, I don't mean that everybody's always fighting, but I just mean that they're not tight, you know? And uh, every person on our staff gets, gets a coach, and I don't know if you're going to mention that in the future or not, but um, uh, it's a great deal, and it's a unique thing to have a staff where truly God can work in their midst not only in what they do for you as a congregation. So I sure appreciate being a part of the staff, and it's, it's a blessing to me. Hey, we're uh, here, as Brian said, in the last uh, sermon on the, uh, the series, Broken, the Truth About Relationships, Sex, and Intimacy. <clears throat> Excuse me, I sang too hard this morning, I think, a little bit. So. Hey, Brian, uh, Brandon chose all my favorite songs, and we never talked about it. I just feel like, Lord... Thanks, I really needed that. That's a good deal. But um, when we sat down to decide who was going to speak on this series, and Brian and, and uh, Bob Schwan and myself, and everybody kind of began to pick those things, and we finally came to the point where I said, I could, I could uh, speak on intimacy. I think I've kind of done enough counseling and stuff like that that I would, I'd enjoy that. And so Brian said, well, why don't you do the last one? Okay, so I said, uh, so that would make my sermon on... Uh, Intimacy, the climactic sermon, would that be right? So, so, okay, I'll move right along. Okay. Brian just smiled like he did just now and said, okay, and just don't share that though. But I did anyway, so no. Hey, Psalm, Psalm 139, 14. Uh, oh, you know what? That, that reminds me. Uh, unity in the staff is really an important thing. And John told me last night, before we get into the scripture here, that uh, hey, he said, I appreciate the fact, Sam, that you. 
you wore your shirt out, you know, shirt tail out. It's important to journey to wear your shirt tail out. And I notice that he doesn't do that all the time either, but just for the sake of those of you that, are, that, that feel like, you know, that's important, I, I did leave this out here. So, yeah. Is that okay? So, but I knew that if I did that against these uh, light and dark pants here, that you that are obsessive compulsive would only see that, the entire sermon, and lose the entire thing. So left the front in unity and harmony. All right. Psalm 139.14, at the top of your page there in your note sheet, says this, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And folks, we are designed. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And that means that both men and women are fearfully and wonderfully made. Have you noticed, however, that we seem to use that as an as a um, dividing point, or we tend to have jokes about how different we are, but we really are different, aren't we? Men and women are really different. And our, our brokenness will cause us to use that against each other unless we come back together under God's design, under how he's laid out uh, relationships to uh, function. And if we'll do that, things go great. And we see all those differences is actually assets, not liabilities. So our uniquenesses uh, come out in, in lots of different ways. You know, let's say this is the guy's side over here. Guys tend to compartmentalize everything in their life. Have you noticed that? They, they kind of like to have things in boxes. They like to talk about, you're going to talk about work? Let's talk about work. Okay, that's good. Let's talk about work. But once we're done talking about work, we're going to set that down right here. I'm going to make sure it's in the right place. And then we're going to talk about family. Let's talk about family. But when we're done, I'm going to put that down here. And why don't we talk about, you know, our hobbies. Let's talk about our hobbies. Yeah. Maybe we'd talk about our marriage. Marriage conversations tend to be longer. And, and there's just a lot in there, isn't there? <laughs> so, guys will just compartmentalize. And they'll go down the row here and they'll talk about their best friends, they'll talk about their career, they'll talk about all kinds of things. And, you know, they'll, they'll even talk about their mother-in-law. <laughs> For a short time. But things need to be in order. We need to focus. Guys need focus, right, fellas? We need to be able to say, hey, you know, don't be moving from one thing to the other too fast. I've got to put the other one down. Let me get over here first. And definitely do not take anything from one box and put it in the other box. Don't be mixing me up in the conversations. Well, ladies are different, aren't they? <laughs> ladies usually combine everything into one area. It's all together, right? It's all in there, just like ragu. Hey, you know, they're there. You can talk about, oh, yeah, and you know, not only are they all in there, they're all connected. You've got the kids, and you've got the soccer team, and you've got the dental appointment, and you've got the neighbor next door who's obnoxious, and you've got the budget, and you've got the marriage, and you've got uh, her work sometimes when she's working, and 
you know, sure enough, there's that mother-in-law. <laughs> you know, I get, I guess I, I get a lot of comments about mother-in-laws, and you've heard all the jokes about mother-in-laws. I discovered that when it comes to relationships, mother-in-laws just really need to know that their son-in-law or their daughter-in-law really appreciates them. And I won't go into all that. That's not what this is about. But boy, when it comes to intimacy and it comes to relationships with people, trying to understand what, what, their, what their needs are and what their motives are is a big deal. And I, I, had, uh, I have had a lot of movement in my relationship with my mother-in-law. We started out early on civil, went to unique, went to uh, a few other stages, and today we just have a, a great relationship. But it took uh, both of us understanding each other. So again, I won't take a long time on that. But when we talk about things, women tend to connect everything. And you know, everything in here is bathed in something called emotions. Right, ladies? You feel things. And you say, guys don't, don't have any feelings. No, guys have feelings. But your feelings are unique. And, you, and God has designed you that way to help the guys keep things in balance. So let's talk about that. You know, um, the truth about these characteristics is we can, uh, we, we're designed to be able to have them be beneficial, not to come between us. And so, guys, our ability to compartmentalize things allows us to focus on something, even when sometimes the rest of things in our life may be in huge turmoil, we're just working on this box, right? And we can focus and kind of let that be for now. This is the priority and this is what I'm going to work on. That's a real gift. That's something by design that God has given men and they, they are a benefit to their family because of that. Now, that can be, uh, that can be a problem. Fellas, if you were uh, dating a girl and you said uh, over here, but, but honey, the other girl I'm dating means nothing to me. They didn't think that was funny that last night either. <laughs> it's not funny, is it? Right? And uh, the wife, or the wife, the, the girlfriend, will, will soon come to helping, to the point of helping uh, that young man say, well, you know, everything, remember, is connected. And she's connected too. And I don't really want her a part of this whole mix because it affects everything we do. Guys will compartmentalize in, in ways that are unhealthy for them if they're not careful. They'll ignore things that they need to pay attention to. And I, I guess um, uh, our ability to do that uh, is balanced by our wives to protect us. And uh, guys, women are here to bless us with the things, the ways that they're made. And we're here to bless them as well. We need each other. We're, we're this way by design. My wife Connie, uh, we married 37 years, and along the way we had a few kids. And I remember when my oldest daughter was uh, about sixth or seventh grade, and uh, we were having a discussion. And I was in the hallway, and I was giving her some advice. And I was, I was giving it with conviction and emotion. 
And suddenly she turned around, went down the hall, and in tears, went downstairs. And guys, I wasn't done with the conversation yet. So I started to follow her. Now, that probably wasn't, wasn't going to be wise. And as I was going down the hall, my wife stepped out in front of me. And she said these words. If you keep treating her that way, you're going to lose her. Put it away. I didn't go downstairs. I stepped back and thought, didn't say it, but I thought, you can't tell me what to do. But she did. That was a good deal. You know, I have a great relationship with that daughter now, and she just brought our fifth grandchild into this world this last week. And I am really happy to be able to say to you that I get the benefit of being a part of her family. And probably very likely because of uh, the things that my wife Connie educated me in when it came to relationships. What a blessing to learn from each other in a relationship. We're different by design. You know, I made some serious changes at that point. And uh, uh, I have four daughters. And I'm happy to say that because of my wife and probably because of God's Spirit convicting me at times, I have a great relationship with all four of them. But, um, you know, we can learn from each other or we can argue with each other about our differences. And I'm so glad because of what I didn't have growing up as a family, I have now in my family, and that is a, a unified, unified bunch. Connie's not here with me. She's out taking care of that little kid, Bethany Page. And I want you to know that since she's not here, that from that time on, I always followed Connie's advice, and I've been the model husband from that day on, okay? Yeah. I sure wish that were true, don't you? <laughs> but I'll tell you, uh, I think my daughters would say, things have changed from when Dad, when we were much younger, um, and I'm really glad for that. If we're going to have great friendships, guys, if we're going to live with integrity, it'll mean that we're going to have to, to learn from people that have uh, another perspective. And we're going to be, be able to become men of character and understand relationships. And I'd like to just, just give a little plug or a promo uh, for something that's going on even next, this coming week, starting tomorrow, actually. The, the men's advanced Bible studies start this next Monday and Wednesday. And if you miss this week, it's possible even to step into the second week after that Pretty much, you need to wait till next time. But fellows, before you go today, I'd like you to seriously consider going to uh, and uh, joining one of those advanced groups. They are all about how to be a person of integrity, how to work with relationships, how to how to mend relationships, how to what the Bible says about being a godly man. Uh, they're a great series, and we have two of them going. The sign-up sheets are out on the table. Uh, you know, anytime we're gonna do something that's significant in our life, it's usually by intention. And you need to make an intentional decision to get into a Bible study of some sort, if not these, and learn about how to become a godly man. 
But those are two great opportunities Monday and Wednesday night. So we're different, but you know we all desire genuine relationships, don't we? Ones that last and ones that have intimacy in them. So can you buy into two, two truths with me today? Two truths. Deep down inside, both men and women want some genuine friends. Second truth is, we may express our desire, though we may express our desire for intimacy in different ways, our core needs to get there are much the same. And we can talk about men and women being very different, but our core needs are the same. So I'm going to give you seven characteristics that relate to those core needs today. They're on your sheet there, if you'd like to, to uh, catch them. Uh, let's just t- look at them real quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one. But I would like you to do this. If you spot one there that, that you kind of go, yeah, I could use a little work on that one. Um, and maybe there's an area of your life that you need to kind of do some uh, either damage control or maintenance and repair on. Take note of that. Set that one forward, would you? And say, hey, I'm going to work on that one. Maybe even a couple of them. Well, the first quality that really creates intimacy in, in, in uh, people's lives, whether it's men and women or men and men even, is companionship. Women who spend time together, they talk, they, they uh, share how they feel, they uh, do things together, they bond, don't they? Amazingly enough, men who play golf together, go fishing, work on a project together, uh, support each other when, they're in, when they have tough times, as is really true in the military. You notice how guys that come back from the military have certain friends that they, they like to call up because that guy understands what I'm thinking. They've gone through some things together that nobody else has gone through with them. I think that would be called bonding. Wouldn't you? Men bond. A man, a man and a woman who spend time together doing something that's meaningful to them, sharing common goals, ministering together, uh, even, God forbid, talking, uh, things like that, um, they find that companionship is the result. This person becomes my companion. Men, men marry, hoping that they'll find a wife who enjoys being with them. But that's kind of a two-way street, isn't it? Guys, we need to find ways to help our, our wives or to help the uh, woman maybe that you're, you're seeing, that you're dating, uh, enjoy doing what you're doing. Make it, make it an enjoyable thing for her as well. And then the wife or the, the girl needs to step out of her comfort zone a little bit and say, you know, if I'm going to be a friend or a companion to this person, I need to be able to say, hey, you know, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Oftentimes that happens during courting, right? <laughs> then you get married. Well, I, I know I said I, I liked fishing, but I, I really don't like fishing. Yeah, oh, how many examples can I give you of that, right? Yeah, I like being out in the woods, and I really don't like hunting, or whatever it was. Need to be willing to, to spend time together and find a way to make that good. When we do that, we submit to each other. Ephesians 5.21 says this. Right before it says, wives, submit to your husbands, it says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
We don't submit to each other because he wants me to or she wants me to. We submit to each other because Jesus said that's what we ought to do if we're going to have a great relationship. You submit to each other. You think about each other. You figure out how to bless each other. Ecclesiastes 4.10 is not going to be up on the PowerPoint. Well, maybe it is. There it is. Shad, you are so quick. I like that. It speaks of close relationships. For if, for if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another one to lift him up. When you have a companion that's there, David and Jonathan, and people that uh, uh, are in the Bible that had close friendships, they needed each other in those crucial times when nobody else seemed to stand with them. Intimacy involves making time, doesn't it? Intimacy involves making time to be together and to support each other. Well, I spent a little extra time on that one because I think that's a lot of times the, the baseline for all this, uh, the other ones to bloom. Transparency is the second one. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Circle that word fellowship, would you? Fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know, when we're willing to be real, <clears throat> to talk about our core values, and to talk about even what God's will is for each of us and what God's doing in our life, we have what the Bible calls fellowship. Fellowship is when believers, when Christ followers, talk about things that are really important to them, especially those spiritual issues. A husband and wife can do that. Two people that are seeing each other can begin to do that. It's the first thing that ought to start happening is some transparency with each other. It's two-way street there, too. You know, I need to be able to share how I feel and what I think and be transparent. But I also need to allow the other person to share how they feel, what they think, and to be transparent. In our good to great marriage class, that's called a safe person. A safe person or a safe relationship is one where there are no off-limits subjects, are there? We need to be able to talk about things as they really are. It's been quoted more than once, but there's a certain crucial area of our life that creates transparency. Prayer. This is the quote. Only 1% of couples who pray together get divorced. Now that's regular prayer together. You kind of go, well, I don't know about that. Hey, rather than debating it, why don't you try it? I guarantee you that if you begin to pray honestly with uh, uh, the person you're dating or, the, or your spouse, that you'll find that transparency begins to bubble up in that relationship. Honesty begins to bubble up. And you'll find that you begin to, to really care about each other and what, what uh, the other person really cares about, what's important to them, becomes important to you. And you'll find that God honors those prayers and you begin to have some transparent times of saying, man, God is working in our life. The problem is most couples don't do that. And can I just share a personal belief with you? I believe that prayer together is probably the first thing that the adversary, that your adversary, the devil, wants to remove from your relationship. Because one, it keeps you in contact with your Creator and your Savior. And two, it eliminates closeness 
ever forming in your life. Pray together. Start out small. Five minutes of prayer together. Let that bloom. If you pray together for the next three months and it hasn't produced transparency and intimacy in your relationship, you call me up. I will go to dinner with you and I will buy. Okay? And there's a lot of people here. You have to tell the truth. Third one is faithfulness and loyalty. Both men and women hold this characteristic close to their chest. They just, faithfulness is a big deal. Loyalty is a big deal. How do you know that? Because when there's unfaithfulness, it's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. Most people take for granted the fact that their friends or their spouse is going to be faithful until something happens. And then they, they kind of go, wow, I've taken this for granted. I just would ask you this. Are you grateful for your friends? Are you grateful for your spouse? Have they heard about that lately? Have you told them the obvious? Hey, thanks for your loyalty to me. Thanks for being my friend. I appreciate the fact that you show up. Telling people that you appreciate them and their faithfulness and their friendship to you is very important if that's going to last and it's going to be a strong, loyal relationship. It creates intimacy. We're wise if we find ways to tell people how much we appreciate them. The fourth one's unconditional love and understanding. How many of you listened to Dr. Laura? Pretty slim last night, too. Okay. Dr. Laura is a, is a unique person on the radio. Um, I don't listen to her regularly at all, but about three years ago I was listening to her, and a lady called in and she said, uh, I remember we were on unconditional love and understanding. She said, uh, well, I want you to know, Dr. Laura, that, uh, that when my husband does this, this, and this, then maybe he'll get some respect. Dramatic pause on the radio. And Dr. Laura said, so what you're saying is that when he lives up to your expectations, that you're going to give him the respect that he deserves. Absolutely. Dramatic pause. So, ma'am, uh, that would mean that if you don't live up to his expectations and don't meet his needs, then he has the right to withhold emotional intimacy, talking, time together from you as well. Dramatic pause. And I, I couldn't hear it, but I envisioned Dr. Laura pulling out her sword. Excuse me. And she said, so you're telling me that when he lives up to things, when he, if he doesn't live up to things, uh, he has no right to expect respect from you. But when you don't live up to things, he, uh, you have every right to expect love and, and honor and, and uh, cherishing from him. Hmm. Well, I turned the radio off at that time because it was too brutal. Okay, But folks, in that short conversation, I was reminded of the fact that it is a very broad two-way street, isn't it? That we dare not withhold things from each other with expectations. 
and expect them to feel unconditional love from us. Unconditional love means what? Unconditional love. So how do you fix that? Well, you eliminate or way lower expectations and you elevate love and understanding. And you work on understanding the other person. It's been quoted many times, but here it is again, okay? Being understood is so close to love that for most people, they can't tell the difference. Being understood is so close to love that for most people, they can't tell the difference. When, I, when you and I genuinely seek to understand another person, they translate that into intimacy and love. It takes time and companionship to understand somebody and express unconditional love, doesn't it? The fifth one is honor and admiration. Ephesians 22, 28, and 29. Let's just take a look at them here on the screen. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. 28 there says, uh, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. That feeds and cares comes out in other translations as cherish and nourish. Cherishing, honoring, uh, taking care of uh, the person and their values. Nourishing in the Greek means what it says. Taking care of their physical needs and, and what's important to them in that area becomes important to you. Wives who show unconditional <clears throat> respect and honor and husbands who show personal admiration and caring and support are expressing intimacy, aren't they? You know, men have a dream of being married to a woman who thinks uh, he's the best thing since chocolate. You know? And that she tells him that. And that, that the obvious is even expressed. You know, I appreciate that you did this. Or I appreciate the fact that th this is part of your character. And many times in a counseling setting, folks, I've heard ladies say, and I've even heard some guys say it. Well, they should just know that. They know I think that. No, they don't. They don't know that. You think they know that. They, they'd like to think you know that. Just say it. Just say it. Make sure they know it. Honor them. Admire them. Let them know that. Women, on the other hand, have, the, have a dream of being married to a man uh, who loves and cherishes her. A man who says she's his delight. And who by his actions and his attitudes say, you know, you're the one and only. You're it. That's all there's going to be. Ladies, do you need that? But it's obvious. But you still need that, don't you? These first five are the parts that you thought we weren't going to do, and number six is the one you were hoping we'd do. Sexual security. But see, you've already had that all the last three weeks. And I thought, well... But it's still part of intimacy, isn't it? Sexual security, not social security, sexual security. There's a saying which goes, you know, men will do anything for sex, even love. And women 
will do anything for love, you finish it. Even sex. Even have sex. Both men and women desire sexual intimacy, don't they? Men desire it because it causes them to feel absolutely loved and complete as a man. But they need to be told that they're appreciated in that area too. They need to be built up in that area. Women need to have sexual security because they need the closeness. They need the honoring that that brings. But it has to be part of the whole package, guys. Whole package. Somebody has said, uh, hey, you know, uh, a great physical life in a marriage begins in the morning. And the guys go, yeah, no, no, guys. <laughs> that means that you live well all day. Everything's connected. And then this part of your life is great. But women need to know that the whole is doing well. That the actual, the, there's wholeness in the, the, um, the relationship that creates intimacy so that sexuality becomes something they offer. If sexual intimacy, for those of you that aren't married, and this is probably drop-dead obvious, but I'm going to say it, if sexual intimacy begins early in a friendship before marriage, it sidelines everything else. Everything else becomes secondary, and you never develop those areas of intimacy that make a lasting relationship. It's all about the sexuality. And boy, folks, let me tell you, as a part of a day or a part of a week, those other things are the majority, aren't they? Sexuality is the, is the uh, icing on the cake. It's the best of the best, but everything else allows it to happen. Lasting sexual intimacy arrives when two people are intimate in all these other areas. It's the indicator. So, if those areas of transparency are doing great, we're fine. But what happens uh, if, uh, did I say transparency, intimacy, if they're doing well, we're fine. If something comes into the, uh, the mix and um, uh, messes those up, what do we do? Well, number seven says that part of intimacy is being willingness to reconcile. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. One of the most intimate characteristics we can exhibit in our relationship is when things go wrong, when something goes sideways, and we value the relationship enough to say, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, I was wrong there. Would you please forgive me? I don't know how many times in 37 years I've had to do that. Haven't you? If I were to ask you to raise your hand, I'm sure it would be less than a third, maybe less than a quarter in here, if I were to ask, how many of you have had somebody use these words in the last month? Please forgive me. Maybe I'll just do it. How many of you, how many of you have, asked, have had somebody use those words, please forgive me, in the last month? Would you raise your hand? 
about a quarter or less, maybe. Okay. We've lost that, haven't we? We've lost the, the, uh, even the concept of saying, you know, I'm really sorry. Would you please forgive me? We found out in our family that um, when we use that phrase, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? That even small children began to treat each other better. When, when uh, I leave the house and I've said something rude to my wife, there have been many times that I've got on the cell phone on the way to work because I thought, I am not going to put her through a whole morning of that, and I feel miserable. Honey, I'm sorry. What I said was rude. Would you forgive me? And it's so good to hear on the other end of the line. I said, th- thank you. Yeah, I forgive you. The rest of the day goes better, goes great. There have been times, even in the last six months, we're building a house, and uh, I was, to the point of pride, actually, uh, thinking, you know, we've never had an argument about the house. We never have. Other people said, if you're lucky, you're lucky to be married after you get done building a house. And I was, I was really proud about that. Well, it happened in Home Depot. And we had, we had a, a pretty decent argument. And you know, I was miserable about that. And I, uh, we got done uh, after about a half an hour, an hour of discussing. And, um, um, and I said, uh, you know, Con, I'm, that's just totally selfish of me. I'm putting the house above you and my feelings about how things should be done above you. This is not the way it ought to go. The house is coming down underneath here. God, my wife, my kids, and everything else in that order. I'm sorry. You're the most important thing to me. And it's, I was thinking it wouldn't be good living in the house by myself anyway. <laughs> you know, if we keep our priorities in order and we seek forgiveness when they're out of priority, man, things go well. But you know, we, both Connie and I were sad about that for about another day and a half. It just kind of left a residue. Some things can be so potent, but we knew that we had forgiven each other, and that stands. It's a decision, not a feeling. So, bottom line is, willingness to forgive restores intimacy. Would you work on that? Think about that, and think about the people in your life that maybe you need to restore that good friendship with. It takes an intentional decision to put all these things together in your life and have great relationships. At the bottom of your note pages, uh, there it says uh, that uh, intimacy with God is a whole lot like that. And uh, I just thought I'd remind you that I've, I've run into a lot of folks that said, I don't understand intimacy with God. I can't see God. I've never heard his voice. I, you know, I, I understand what he you know, has said I need to be doing, need to be about, but what's this relationship with God deal. And if you'll read that paragraph, I think you'll find some components that if you'll take time, companionship, and move through that, that uh, uh, kind of blueprint for a relationship with God, you'll find that your spiritual life will go up. It'll improve. 
and your friendship with God will improve to a point where likely you're transparent enough with God to find that he really is listening and he's answering your prayers and you find yourself suddenly in a relationship with God. But it takes those, things, those components to get you there. You know, the Bible says that God's story all the way through is about us being alienated from God and his desire to reconcile us back into an intimate relationship with him. And Jesus Christ dying on the cross paid for our, our offenses and the things that we've done that are wrong. Our part is to ask for forgiveness and tell God that we are sorry that that's, that has happened and that we want to be restored. We want to be reconciled to him. Could you set your notes uh, note pages aside just a moment and just bow your heads and close your eyes? Um, it's always important to be able to take time to think about what this means to us individually. And I just have two quick things I want to say to you, and that's this. One is that if you're here today and you're a Christ follower, and you know that uh, uh, there are some things about an intimate relationship that you really need to work on after thinking through this list that we've talked about this morning, would you just tell God, God, this one and this one, these two areas, I'm going to trust you to help me to really uh, remodel in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make those like the design that you've intended them to have in my life. If you'll do that, I'd like you just to commit that to God in prayer and tell him right now that you'll do that. The second uh, aspect, I'd like, or second uh, person I'd like to speak to here this morning is possibly a person here this morning who says, you know, I've always wanted intimate friendships, and I see that probably that begins with actually God and me getting on the same team and being reconciled. And I even understand that, that uh, Jesus has died for me on the cross and would like to bring me from an alienated person to a, a reconciled friend and to have an intimate relationship with him. If you'd like to do that, would you just pray this prayer with me? Uh, if you're sincere about that, uh, pray this prayer with me, would you? Father, I know now that you love me and that you want a close and intimate friendship with me. You know, I, I admit that I've done things that have alienated me from you and I, I, I recognize that I've sinned. And I've done things, and this sin has caused things to be... Uh, broken between us. I ask you today to forgive me. I accept Jesus Christ's death on the cross as my pardon for my sins. And I believe that he's the one who has brought me back to you and restored my relationship with you. And I accept him as my personal savior here this morning. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins, for the things that have alienated me. And thank you for wanting to be in close relationship with me. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Amen. If you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute, if there's a person here this morning that, that has done that, it's important to just acknowledge that and say, I'm going to make, a, make it a point to know that I really have done that. And if you have made a commitment to Christ for the first time here this morning, and you'd like to, to say, hey, I've, I, I've done that. I'd like to let me know that. I'd love to pray for you. And... Um, you, the way we have, have you do that here at Journey is just to look up and uh, raise your hand and just make eye contact with me and then put your hand right back down. 
If you've made that commitment here this morning, just put your hand up and let me know that, would you? And put your hand back down and just make eye contact. You bet. God bless you, both of you. Anybody else? It's great to see people who are honest with God. You bet. See that one there too. I honor you for that. Anybody else? I want a great relationship with God. You bet. Father, we're thankful for these folks. Thank you for being able to, to in a short time, talk about how much you love us, how you've de designed us. Pray that this would be a great time for uh, those that have made commitments as well. In your name, amen.